I just love being able to make something. Being a young kid, you're, you know, you're playing with Legos or something, you're building forts. You have the ability to put two pieces of metal and fuse it together and make something, create like buildings and everything like that. Things break down and things need to be fixed and welding's the way to do it. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? It's episode 156. Today, we're exploring the future of skilled trades, and we're doing this largely by speaking to the next generation of skilled tradespeople and the folks that are training and enabling them. From students to instructors, this episode includes a series of five interviews with folks that are part of 3M's upcoming series, Clash of the Grinders, Student Edition, a high-stakes grinding and welding competition that pits soon-to-be pros against each other to find the most talented up-and-comers in the skilled trades. Think of this as your sneak preview. I'm going to tell you a bit more about this series, and then we'll dive into the episode. Like I said, this competition is airing as a video web series, with the first episode dropping on October 17th, 2023, which is right around the corner. That's all happening on the 3M Abrasives YouTube channel, which you can get to by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com 3M. It'll take you straight there. So what is Clash of the Grinders all about? Well, throughout the series, you'll get to see the competition firsthand as these trades leaders face off in welding and cutting challenges, but it's more than just the competition. You'll see emerging trends that these folks will face in their careers and how new innovations are helping them work more efficiently and sustainably. Think of this as a mini manufacturing reality show. And of course, it wouldn't be a true competition if there weren't a prize at the end of all of it. The winner receives a game-changing $10,000 scholarship sponsored by Fanuc. Now, today's podcast, I would say, again, think of this as a little teaser to the full series. You're going to get to know a couple of the students that are part of this competition, and you'll hear how their careers took them to these new roles as tradespeople that they're stoked to move into. You'll also hear from an instructor how they're continuing to evolve their curriculum for the modern student and skilled worker, and not to mention the folks that are creating the certifications for emerging technology skills. Finally, you'll hear from a global robotics and automation leader at 3M and learn how they're inspiring curiosity and improving educational outcomes for everyone that wants an opportunity to pursue skilled trades in STEM education. So if I were to summarize this, this episode is a showcase of many of the different parties involved in developing our future workforce, from educators to corporations to, most importantly, the students themselves. As always, if you want to learn more, Check out the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 156 and make sure to subscribe to the 3M Abrasives YouTube channel at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3M. It'll take you straight to that channel because just to get that date in your mind, the Clash of the Grinders Student Edition, that series starts October 17th, 2023. Now, it's time to meet up with our first guest. Ryan Spivey is a student at Gateway Technical, and he's had quite the journey to get to this point in his career, to say the least. So, let's hear his story. Ryan, great to have you here. Oh, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. 
And I'm excited, first and foremost, to hear your story of, you know, how you got into this industry. What were you doing before this? What inspired you to get started? I'll let you share share the background. Gosh, you got enough time? Yeah, yeah, we do. We <laughs> do, right. believe it or not. <laughs> All right. So I started off, man, way back in the day. Um, started off working as a cashier at a grocery store, kind of, you know, that, you know, just getting into the career fields and stuff like that. And decided I wanted to go into something medical. So I went off and I went to uh, EMT course uh, way back in the day. Gosh, this had to have been 2011. So, and after that, I interviewed at my local fire department up in Spring Grove, Illinois. From then on out, they put me through Fire Academy. After Fire Academy, I was a certified EMT firefighter. I was taking some more firefighter classes and I walked uh, across the college, saw a pamphlet for the Air Force, went off to the Air Force for six years, came back, tried to do the firefighter EMT stuff again. Just wasn't for me, unfortunately. I loved it. I still love it. You know, it's um, great people and everything. You, you know, you never forget the people you work with and the people that you care for, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they all got their little quirks and stuff like that. But, And so I was looking into something to just kind of sink my you know hands into to just get hands-on get crafty and almost build it almost like an art form I guess you can say Uh, whereas more you know the fire department and air force it's a lot of personal being personable to people and everything like that kind of being not necessarily a crowd pleaser but you know you got to have you know your um customer service skills of course so, so like what that. made you want to get crafty then i imagine you're going to tell me this but that's that's intriguing because yeah. you yeah. you weren't kidding you have yeah. a heck of a yeah. story no, that I'm, up to I'm this. all over the place good <laughs> god well, i don't even know how many continents i stepped on but um <laughs> just getting into it the reason for it it was just it's it's fun uh i know there's a huge demand for it huge demand uh, everybody's crying for tradesmen or tradeswomen and stuff like that and I just thought, I was like, okay, I got to I gotta jump on this because it's, it's going to be, it, we're hurting for people. So everybody just wants somebody, you know, um, I know a few buddies of mine, oh, can you weld this? Can you weld this? Yeah. And everything like that. It's like, yeah, I can. So okay. do you feel like the pull for like the amount of demand there is for oh, folks yeah. like yourself? Yeah. Like how, how does that manifest? Already. I'm curious just because we hear about the workforce yeah. gap all the time. Oh, yeah. You are someone that can help fill that yeah. gap. Well, I mean, we have, uh, we've had people come from the local unions up in Wisconsin and they're like, we're, you know, we're hurting for people and they're kind of not necessarily, you know, recruiting us, but they're just kind of spreading the knowledge of what the union is, how to get into it and how to, you know, present yourself properly to get into those unions and whatnot. And as far as the other, um, jobs that are out there uh like currently i interviewed at a uh, spiral staircase fabricator uh up in genoa city wisconsin and got in did an interview did a little uh makeshift weld test and everything and talking with the the lady that owns the uh fabrication site she was saying like we're it's it's a it's a big deal like if you're a welder you know you can kind of go anywhere right now so yeah it's it's very very uh very very needed career field and it's unfortunate that we don't have 
people to kind of put out there. So, Did you think you were going to end up looking at roles as a spiral staircase fabricator? No, I didn't even I, know that existed. That's so neat. Yeah, it is. And it's very, I walked, when I was walking up to do my interview, I was, she has like little demos and everything. And they're, it, was, it was just like two story, but that's enough. You know, you see them and you're like, this is actually kind of intimidating. Yeah. You know, you see, you see the curvature and everything and everything has to be lined up and, and it's like, it's like, you know, especially stairs, you know, people are going up levels and stuff like that. It's like, you need to be careful. She also does, you know, hand railings and uh, various other things, but um, very, very nice facility. Um, she's got pictures all over the place and uh, she's installed them all, all over. So it's very nice. So how do you see your career evolving in this field as a welder, as a, as a tradesperson? Uh, as far as the evolution of welding, um, I'm very interested in seeing how, and eventually, you know, all career fields are going to get to this point, but automation. Mm -hmm. So as far as robotics, as far as 3D printing, uh, metal, um, obviously there, there's going to be a demand for people that know the properties of a weld. Like, is this a weld or is it, you know, like, is, you know, is there any... Um, demerits within the weld you know undercut or underfill or something like that you know machines malfunction they're mm -hmm. not you know, they're not perfect um so getting into that i i definitely see that as something that's going to branch outward and it's going to come to a crossroad where welders eventually they're going to have to you know learn these machines and you know learn to help the machine out essentially and you're already doing some of that right is there anything that's like surprised you about the automation you've seen so far in Ooh, this gosh, space just how perfect the welds are so yeah. on some of the the some of the machines like i was watching a video on instagram and they had this huge hood that came over this pipe and i believe uh um, i can't remember at this moment but i believe they were uh mig welding and it was just super uniform and everything but again it's it's the getting lugging that machine out there like where is mm -hmm. this thing going to go is this thing capable of traversing where you know a human would be more beneficial and more cost effective and stuff like that so it's all it's all very new and very interesting but uh yeah so you talked about automation as kind of how you generally see the career mm -hmm. in the field evolving are there any you know we were talking about spiral staircase manufacturing mm -hmm. before are there other industries or industries you feel you'll be specializing in? I definitely want to get in some aluminum TIG. Okay. Yeah, I love, uh, I, I, I was very, I was intimidated by that. Um, so I started, I started welding fairly recently. So back in spring of this year. Really? So yeah. So just like so, five, six months. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, I got to get into something and I got to get into it now. And um, I was looking at, you know, just all these different, you know, crafty things and welding really stood out. I know you can make a really good living off of it and people, again, need welders and everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, all over the place. So I uh, took my basic classes, you know, the MIG, TIG, even oxyacetylene uh, and stick as well. Um, and then I went in and I did my advanced classes this summer. And that's where I got into doing the aluminum and TIG. Mm. And it is very, it's very interesting starting out, um, just getting past that oxide layer and actually putting some, 
you know, welding some aluminum together and everything. So I know, and I know it's very sought after in the, um, you know, aircraft field and okay. automotive and everything like that. And uh, I have an instructor. He was um, big into uh, aircraft fabrication. Okay. So, yeah. So the reason you're interested in this particular type of welding is the mm -hmm. type of industry it can get yeah. you into because of yeah. where it's in demand. Because yeah. I, I have another question. Did you know all these welding terms six months ago or no. these things that these are, are now just second all nature these, to you? All, everything is just, it's, it's, it's almost weird how easy, you know, normally I don't like get things down, but with the amount of time that I spend within a day welding. And we start out the day at, you know, 7 a.m. at school. We go till noon and we have to, you know, cut our little um, coupons and do, we look up our job assignments and we do our, you know, different positions of welds and everything like that. And usually beforehand, we will have a little powwow, sit down for an hour, hour and a half, some instructors maybe two hours, you know. Uh, we got a lot of, uh, you know, seasoned instructors and they like, you know, they like to talk. They like to tell war stories. This stuff kind of, with all the repetition, just kind of became natural. So it's, it's muscle memory here and then muscle memory here too. So That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've got one last question mm -hmm. for you. And we've covered a lot of ground, but I, oh, I'll yeah. be interested for your answer on this one. What do you love about the industry? You've hinted at some of these things. Yeah. I just love being able to make something. Being a young kid, you're you know you're playing with Legos or something. You're building forts, and and then you have the ability to put two pieces of metal and fuse it together and make something. You know, make this. You know, help create like buildings and everything like that, or just small stuff. You know, weld a bicycle or something. Anything. You know. Yeah. So and I mean, metals, metals, metal, metals all around us. Things break down and things need to be fixed, and welding's the way to do it. You can't do it with duct tape. Do I you mean, have, you could, but <laughs> do, you, do you do you have like a bucket list welding thing you want to do right now? You were talking about the aluminum, but I'm just curious—is there like a particular product that you want to oh weld together? There, I think for one of my fabrication classes, I'm gonna make—it's uh, called like a rocket stove. Okay. You see them a lot on Instagram. It's almost like a Dakota fire hole where it's, it's basically made out of uh, square tubing and you weld some pieces together and then on top you have a place for um, your skillet or pan or whatever you're cooking in up on top and you throw the fire in and it's very efficient burning, very low on smoke because the oxygenation flowing into it and everything like that. So I'm looking into doing something like that. So uh, all right, yeah. I figured you might ha start having yeah. like a list of stuff you yeah. wanted to conquer and Gosh, make and things I, like I that. I see so many things. I was looking at um, it was essentially just filler wire, and they welded it together, and you know would wrap a bracelet mm -hmm. and everything like that. And they had like intricate designs, you know, like um, it was almost like Celtic knot looking and everything like that. And I, I was like, I was like, that's actually pretty cool, you know, the offset of colors and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like, I could. That's that's easy. Before know. we know it, you're going to have an Etsy shop yeah, with all these yeah. things out there oh, as well. Oh, gosh. My friend's <laughs> wife has... Well, she used to have one of those. And yeah, I yeah, you know, one day maybe. World's so, your oyster right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Well, Ryan, the limit. Yeah. Ryan, I appreciate the overview you've yeah. given. This sounds super cool. Great having you on. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me. You know, I, I just got to say, what a story. I mean, what first struck me the most was Ryan's background firefighter, EMT, Air Force, now getting into the trades because it's fun and there's a demand. 
Also, Ryan's focus on automation is an area he wants to focus on to enhance his skill set as a welder. I mean, honestly, just the energy in this conversation that was in the room at the time was awesome. I hope that comes through in the audio podcast because it was definitely there when we were having this discussion in Chicago. Next up, we got Todd Breidegum, an instructor for welding and metal fab at Minneapolis College. We just got a student's perspective. Now, let's hear what the teachers have to say. Todd, I'm very excited to ask you this question I'm about to ask because, and I'll I'll probably say this a ton of times throughout these interviews, is we talk about the workforce skills gap on this podcast all the time. But you get to see this firsthand. You are literally training students to fill all these jobs that we talk about being so critical. So my first question is, it's a big one, are you optimistic for the future with people filling these roles, the things we're going to continue to do in manufacturing? What's your take? Well, Chris, I am, in general, optimistic about the future because the work is so important and it looks like there's a lot of movement around, movement forward, I should say, around considering people in welding and manufacturing and construction as professionals, Mm -hmm. true professionals Mm -hmm. on the same level as professionals, say, in the medical field or or in other fields like that. I see a movement towards that. And I think once we keep going in that direction, young people will respond to that and want to go into the field. Also, the amount of technology that I'm seeing take place with the machines and the equipment and drafting and blueprint and all of that is just amazing. And that technical curve is just on this amazing upward trend. And so I see that also just the young people being very interested in that and taking to that and and becoming more involved on the on the more technically advanced side with uh, automation and uh, the integration of computers in pretty much everything, whether it's uh, m- manufacturing equipment, welding machines, um, interfacing with that. It's just it's it's wonderful to see them do that. So, Todd, what I think is interesting about that answer, at least from my perspective, is you talk about two different aspects. You talk about the technology, and you also talk about let's call it the stigma around trades roles and things like that. But the common theme between the two, it's like, because these things are changing in this industry, that's what's attracting the youth and the next generation to jump into these roles. So my next question is, what work still needs to be done? You're saying that we're trending in the right direction, but what still needs to take place to continue to not only make someone like yourself who sees this every day optimistic for the future, but other people who might be kind of looking at this um, peripherally and being like, oh, I don't know what's going to go down. So um, I think, first of all, making sure that people understand that this is a field that's not just a job, but a career. And there are many places to go after gaining some uh, vocational education and uh, going on into the workforce for a few years. You start to see options opening up in, in, in the many different directions you can go within a particular company, within a particular union, within a particular field. So that, I think, is really important. But I think the other thing that needs to happen is... Um, And everybody has kind of their own teaching style, but I think that employers today are really looking for soft skills around collaboration Mm. and teamwork. And so I try and set up my program uh, as being a collaborative environment where, yes, we're all individually learning how to weld and we have to do our own work, but 
supporting each other, I think, is really important. And I think the young people understand that generationally better than many others that have come before. And so um, I think that just having that outlook and attitude, it just leaves me personally in what I do at the college um, is really a, a big benefit to bringing people from all different walks of life and all different places in their life into the classroom to learn this, this trade and this skill. So. I like that you're talking about how you've created that collaborative environment because that's what this generation expects. Now, the other question I have is something you hinted at. You were talking about the amount of options that someone has with inside of a company, within a union. So how do you see your students, how do you see their careers evolve like five to ten years down the line? And are these people going into, say, leadership roles in these areas? I think definitely. I mean, I just look at myself like, you know, I was a welding student at one point in time and then uh, worked in the field and then got the opportunity to teach. And I've been doing that ever since. So um, absolutely. I I foresee uh, talent being recognized. Um, I think that it's really important that students also know that if training opportunities come up within a company to take advantage of that um, and learn as much as they can throughout. And a company that cross trains over um, various different uh, departments is definitely going to benefit. It may take time to do that, but in the long run, you get a more well-rounded employee and you get somebody you can look at maybe from a few different dimensions instead of just one dimension and one job function. Um, And then I think you really can see uh, that there's going to be a set of students that are just going to absolutely rise to the top and be um, ones that'll be great candidates for future leadership wherever that is whether it's in inspection and testing quality control job processing even in education right mm-hmm. even in teaching um, that you know you're gonna you're gonna see a group of individuals uh, rise up rise up through um, through the ranks in a company there's also very talented individuals um, I have a student in particular that start their own fabrication shops oh nice and are, and are very successful at it um, uh, so there's that there's that route too uh that that students can take so is cross training becoming more the norm at companies what's like is it the exception versus the rule what are you seeing great question i i see kind of a a mix um but i'm seeing maybe more of it now i think than i did before so at least i'm hearing more about it from the students that i have so so what is what is the skilled worker of the future look like, right? I think we all know what I shouldn't say we all know, but we might have a picture of what it meant to be a welder 20 or 30 years ago. But I'm sure that's very different from what a welder looks like today. Um, I think the helmets are a lot better (laughs) and the uh, machines and equipment are certainly more advanced. But I tell my students that learning to weld is uh, an acquired skill that's um, that's acquired basically through consistent practice over time. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them it's kind of like learning to play the piano. You don't learn it in a day or a week. You learn it over time and the more you practice consistently, the better you can get at it. So I think that aspect of things hasn't changed a whole lot, but I think that students learning to problem solve in new ways that technology has allowed them to definitely will just kind of carry through in whatever job they're doing um, and to help 
basically them become better employees and 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 help out whoever they're whoever they're working for. So those problem solving skills revolve around a lot of different things, um, math and blueprint reading, but but certainly also looking at um, navigating the online space, n- navigating software, um, navigating. Uh, um, media yeah. <laughs> like this right mm-hmm. those are all take those all take problem solving skills and so i see um that really be- becoming more of a more more of a skill in the future that um that b- will just grow with people who are doing this kind of work so so i'm going to flip this question a bit we just talked about what the skilled worker of the future looks like what does the instructor the trainer of the future look like uh the trainer of the future is um going to need to keep students engaged uh and i think you do that a a few ways you have to be cognizant like we were talking before that there is a shortage in the workforce Mm -hmm. uh so it's important again to make sure that people feel that they're welcome in the space even though you're playing with fire and there's sparks and you know you got to wear a a helmet and you know ventilation and all that stuff there are all these kind of physical things which can be very intimidating fire and electricity and sparks but having people welcoming people into that space um, I think is going to be important for the instructor of the future and also letting them know that like look if you like to build things and play with fire this is like the space for you to be in uh, because you get to do that all the time every day Um, once you get past that then introducing them to all the intricacies of the profession is is really important and then tying it to Um, what's going on at places like Fabtech and Mm -hmm. the amazing technology that's out there and Mm -hmm. how that's just continuing to grow and engaging them in that Um, and bringing some of that technology in in a very kind of thoughtful way into back into the lab to make sure that the students have exposure to that Um, and a lot of times it's the students in my lab who take the lead on new machines and new equipment it's great to see them do that Uh, I'm there with them but a lot of times they're taking the lead on it and um, and using it and coming up with ideas on like how to integrate it and how to how to make useful assignments to students and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I think the instructor of the future really needs to pay attention to the students yeah. uh, as much as making sure that they're staying true to the tradition that they know, which is like this welding skill that's, you know, is is going to be a fundamental foundational ability that somebody's going to need to have in order to in order to weld professionally. So, well, a great answer there across the board. You talk about creating that welcome environment. You talk about, hey, you get to highlight the the fire and the flames and things like that. That's exciting for some people, but I think the most important thing that stuck there is, hey, you got to be listening to the students and student needs, interests, all of those things are going to continue to evolve. And Todd, it's been great having you on here because it sounds like you are personally doing a great job of continuing to evolve to those as well. So thank you for jumping on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Creating collaborative environments that appeal to the incoming generation and the way they learn. Students founding fab shops. For regular listeners, this isn't the first time we've heard a leader at a tech school highlighting the importance of teaching soft skills. Also, shout out to 3M on their continued advancements in welding helmets. That's not my plug. That was Todd's plug. You heard it for yourself just a few minutes ago. And by the way, quick reminder that if you want to check out the Clash of the Grinders Student Edition YouTube series, subscribe to 3M Abrasive's YouTube channel. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3M will take you straight there. Series starts October 17th. 
Next up, we've got Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo is a student at Richard Daly College, and he has his own unique story as to how he started learning the art of skilled trades. So let's hear it. Eduardo, I have to ask you, how did you get involved in this industry? What's your story that led you here? Well, my story has been a different one. I started off in sales, B2B sales. Uh, before B2B sales, I was a personal banker, financial advisor. Um, my sister-in-law, she works for Daily College. So she told me about the program for welding. Um, I was gravitated towards it. Um, before college, I worked for a smidge. I, I want to say about two weeks of a time. That still counts. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for a compactor bail company doing grinding and welding. Oh, okay. I fell in love with it, but it was a night job. Yeah. And being, I was, what, in my 20s, early 20s. I'm 38 now. But I was in my early 20s. You know, I wanted a different lifestyle. Yeah. I couldn't That's manage fair. to, you know, have a night job at that time. So I just dropped it. I just dropped the company. Yeah. Um, and then I got into sales, stuck into sales for a very long time. Um, sales all across the board, but then I became a banker at one point, and then to B2B sales, and now I went back to school. Uh, I should be uh, finishing my welding and manufacturing course by the end of this year, uh, so I should have it all together. That's awesome. So I, I it's it's interesting because I know there are salespeople in the manufacturing industry that oh, yeah. listen to this, and I'm very interested to hear you were doing the grinding job for like two weeks. What what during that two week time period made you say, you know what, I really like this, but you know the hours don't work for me, but I like the work itself. Oh, indeed. I mean, I fell in love with the grinding aspect, seeing the sparks, playing with fire, yeah. especially welding. I and I. Again, that time it was just a very faint. I was learning at that time how to weld, so I didn't really dive into it too much. But to see it, to see fire, you're burning metal against metal. I mean, that just drew me all together. That's so cool. Well, fill, fill me in because we were talking to someone earlier. Like they'd only been in this space for six months at this point. Like I think when a lot of people think of when they hear the t term new, they're like, "Oh, you know, I just joined this industry like two years ago." But it's probably much shorter than that. Is that fair to say? I, I would say yeah, fair to say. Uh, two years I've been in uh, the welding world. Yeah. Um, but you know, watching tutorials, YouTube, things like that. I've been doing that for a while. Okay. I gravitated toward that. So when you say two years, like getting involved through YouTube or through the formal training as through well? Through formal training. Okay. Sorry, yeah. Okay. Formal I was training, uh, YouTube. Uh, I've always been looking at YouTube and different things in the aspect, and that kind of geared towards me, you know, taking more classes, things like that. What was it that finally made you say, because I, I think what's going to be interesting is if there are salespeople that listen to this, it's like, you know what? I'd rather go and do a skilled trade than do sales. What was it that finally made you say, you know what? It's time for something new. You know what? I have two little young ones at home. Mm -hmm. uh, I have two boys, one, a year-old and a three-year-old. To see them, I needed to do something different in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't sit at a desk anymore. Yeah. I handling paperwork, things like that. I wanted something that I could, you know, something that, to f have more fulfillment. Yeah. Altogether. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So you're talking about hey, it's it's really the lifestyle and the family. Coupled with 
you don't want to be behind a desk anymore. You yeah. want to be getting hands-on, which is so cool. Um, what in that case? Let's. My last question for you is: What do you love about this industry? Then, <sighs> what I love about this industry, what I love about welding, it's when you're in the zone, that pocket, seeing that that light come to like a can um, like a glow. There's that. I'm, are you a welder by chance? Or do you I am weld? not. I've done welding oh, before. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of understand when when you're in that pocket and you're in that zone and you see that weld, it's almost meditating. You're playing with fire and you're constricting that fire to one space. And that's how I see it. I and mean, it's just meditating altogether. That's so cool. The meditative aspect about it. It's it's very interesting to see how excited every welder gets when they describe what that welding process oh, is. Yeah. And they all describe it differently. But, Eduardo, I appreciate you describing it as like a meditative state. Indeed, yes. You know, what amazes me is that the folks going into welding and skilled trades have been financial advisors in the military, an EMT with the fire department, B2B sales. And that's just two student examples so far. You know, kudos to Eduardo and Ryan. Best of luck to you as you finish your studies. And best of luck in the Clash of the Grinders student edition competition coming up. Our next guest is Roger Tedieski, Executive Director of the National Coalition of Certification Centers, otherwise known as NC3. Now, we actually recorded this interview on the show floor at the 3M booth at Fabtech while the competition was taking place in the background. So I think it was right in the middle of the cutting challenge. I left a bit of the background noise in there because, hey, now you know it's real and it wouldn't be manufacturing happy hour if we weren't getting in on the action. So just wanted to let you know you'll hear some of that going on. But anyway, it's time to talk all things certifications with Roger. All right, Roger, it's great to have you here. I have to ask you, NC3 is described as a network of education providers and corporations that supports, advances, and validates new emerging technology skills in transportation, aviation, energy. You've added a few more to that, but maybe in the context of a story, can you describe how NC3 gets education providers and corporations to work together? Yeah. Well, Chris, great question. Uh, you know, uh, so NC3 you know, was formed, uh, actually started by community college presidents that came together with really two big buckets in mind. One, how could community colleges and career tech centers across the country work much more collaboratively together, um, you know, beyond just coming to a, uh, a conference and having some best practice breakouts and then you go back and answer a whole bunch of emails for six months and you come back to a conference and do the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. How can you really work on, on uh, where technology is, how that relates to those core meaningful skill sets that help a young person or an adult become part of their social economic fabric in their community? And the other bucket is, is boy, if we could get the schools and that working collaboratively together day in and day out on this, how can we then also collaborate with global leading industry partners on a day-to-day -day that would endorse and help develop and incubate those certifications that help that young person, that adult learner, get a job regardless of where they go to work? Um, and could we bring those two buckets and really focus in on that? So in 2009, that was the beginning of NC3 uh, with, uh, with five schools as a pilot. 
And two of our very first corporations early on were Snap-on Tools and, uh, and, and Train Technologies that kind of helped us pilot that. But then very quickly after that, uh, companies like 3M and Starrett and Kubota uh, and Apple and so forth all joined in to where we are today with almost 2,000 schools in the network. We've added the manufacturing area, we've right. added IT, we've added aviation and construction trades uh, to this whole network. So, so starting with five or six key certifications, and we can dive into that here, those, those competencies here in a minute, uh, to where now we offer a little over 168 certifications that can be embedded into community college programs, whether it's at the two-year uh, standalone incumbent workers or certificate programs. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and the students now have uh, industry-developed, industry-recognized, competency-based certifications that they can walk into any uh, place of employment and say, this is what I know and this is what I can do day one. Yeah. And we've heard on this podcast before the goal of certifications being it's like you are accredited and you can walk into anywhere, like you just said, and people know that that person has this skill set. I want to go back to something you mentioned. You've expanded your scope into other areas. You mentioned overtime, and not only expanded scope, but from five to 2,000 schools is remarkable. But specifically, when do you know it's time to jump into another industry, right? You mentioned expanding over time to aviation, construction, manufacturing, IT. When do you know it's time to break into a new spot? Well, great question, Chris. You know, the way, the way we've grown is, and a lot of it's organically, you know, um, you know look, when we, we see on the news every day about the need for the skilled worker, uh, companies that are looking for talent to help them with uh, their growth in, in a community and so forth. So what are those skills? What are they really looking for, right? And so when we get back to some of the, you know, let's start with some fundamentals. Mm -hmm. Yes, we got automation. All those things are part of it. But at the end of the day, you know, when we think about QA and quality assurance and the products yeah. that end up in a consumer's pocket or a consumer's connected to, or like the, uh, the uh, fab tech that we're at today that we're, we're building the equipment that actually builds the products in the future, right? Mm -hmm. So how does that get done? Well, people still need to be able to read a blueprint, whether that's on a piece of paper or digitally. Mm -hmm. They need to understand what those tolerances are, stackable and that. So that gets into not only the thousands, but millithousands. So there's the engineering side that someone's designed that, but then that, that now employee that's got to go actually manufacture, even if it's done with a robotic, there's still tolerances. So how do you know those? So we brought, in this, this case, in uh, precision measurement, everything from how to read and work with a six-inch rule all the way up to inside bore gauges, advanced metrology. And then, you know, we're, we're here, of course, with 3M. And so let's say uh, a product is needed to be uh, finished to a certain finish, and level of, of that, well, how is that abrasive applied? When is it applied? What is the why in that? Well, where is that going to be taught? Um, yes, there's videos and those kind of things, but at the end of the day, there, as a student, we can always go back to all of us. Any of our listeners today will remember when they were in seventh and eighth grade and somebody says, okay, we're going to learn algebra today. Yeah. Well, what does that mean, right? Why do we learn that? And that's what we really focus in on. So to your question of... So we, we get input from industry leaders, uh, you know, whether it might be a 3M or it might be a, 
uh, a 3M customer that's using those technologies that say, boy, we need students, we need workers that really understand when and how to use this, and they need that scope and repetition of that. So that's where we then work with schools to embed that. Now, at the flip side, sometimes we hear from our schools that say, for example, boy, we really need to help young people learn about soldering. Okay. They may they may not necessarily do be doing a soldering, but they need to understand why and how it operates. And so that's particularly like a new area that we're working on right now, along with the collaborative robots and say welding and abrasives together. So, so that's a nonstop uh, communication that's always going on between education and industry. Well, let's expand on that because I'm interested. What emerging technology skills are most in demand right now. You're talking about cobots. That's another topic that's come up before. Fill me in on some of the things you're seeing. Well, uh, you, great. Uh, you know, some of the big things, you know, we just start on the manufacturing side. So we've got cobots, uh, collaborative, you know, welding and those kind of pieces. But okay, so now, but one of the things we think about cybersecurity. So you go around any cobot or any piece, so somewhere there's a PLC that's connected to an internet connection somewhere or a cloud-based piece. And so as that system goes down, maybe for maintenance or an update, well, there's a software, there's an interaction there. How do we make sure those things are connected? So now the welder of the past needed to focus on welding or grinding and those kinds. But now they also need to turn a PLC or reintroduce something into a cloud. They now got to know a little bit about coding. They need now need to know a little bit about that IT side to make sure that that cyber side is protected or that they see something. So now that's a new skill set of technology that's driving the productivity and the solution piece of that. But that skill set of that welder, that plumber, that electrician, knowing a little bit about the IT side, not because they're going to become IT experts, but they're going to probably be interacting with IT people as they're doing their job and vice versa. The IT person that might be working with the welder or the robotics people as they come in that. Great point. And it's, I think, an excellent thing that you bring up where it's like, hey, it's not that they're going to be doing an IT job, but they should know what their responsibilities, priorities, et cetera, are. So as we get through this, you know, I'd love to hear, hey, what certifications specifically are in most demand right now? And maybe even more importantly, do you have a story of how a certification has changed someone's life, impacted someone's life, allowed them to pivot? I think that would be a great way to wrap this conversation. Yeah. Uh, boy, I tell you, you know, certifications, like I say, every certification that we deliver are competency-based uh, so that not only the student has the knowledge but in the why, but they can demonstrate uh, that they know how to do it and do it correctly when they go out into the workplace. So I, I would say there's a couple of great stories there. You know, um, both in the, you know, on the manufacturing side, I was just down in Alabama, but of course we got some great students here uh, at the Fabtech, but a young student that went through uh, both a mechatronics and a 3M and uh, along with welding that went into a, a automotive plant and was asked to be an initial part of a team on installing a robotic application into an automotive plant. And the, um, the, the hiring manager knew about the certifications, the NC3 certifications, but he didn't know what that really meant 
when it was all going to be coming to that student. And after a couple of weeks, uh, that young student got pulled aside by his manager and said, wow, not only do you, you know, have a great piece and you're fitting into the team, but you're actually teaching our team members some great things that you brought in here on these skill sets around uh, understanding pneumatics and hydraulics and the why of things that that they were aware of but were nice that the, you reminded everybody we got to pay attention to those things one other part that i would tell you on that is as you know we've been operating since 2009 so just most recently we had a student that uh, went through one of our community colleges and got uh, certifications went out to the work world uh, but now has come back full circle back into the education as an instructor oh, at nice. the very school that he received his first certifications in 2013. So here we are 10 years later, he's come back to the school as a new instructor teaching students today and the future students over the next 10, 15, 20 years. And, and so that's that, you know, how do we create that strong baseline in our communities and then build that with our, from an economic development standpoint, community engagement standpoint. Uh, so, so those are two great stories of many that we have out there. Yeah, and it's funny because this episode is as much an exploration of, hey, what does the tradesperson of the future look like? But it's also, what does the instructor of the future look like? And it's cool to hear how that all came full circle. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kurt, you know as we think about the workforce and we need that we see in the paper, but let's not forget, and this is something NC3, those instructors in a classroom, we need them too. They're retiring just like the workforce. So how do we, how do we encourage uh uh, young adults or um, uh, any adult to be able to say, let's come back into my community. I want to become a, uh, a plumbing instructor, a welding instructor, an IT instructor. So that's something that NC3 now is engaged with well over 5,000 instructors across the country in their professional development and helping them be stronger in their communities. So that's, that's very much part of our workforce out there too. I appreciate you taking us through not only the nuts and bolts of the program a little bit, but the community focus as well. Roger, thanks so much for taking time to be on the podcast. You got it, Chris. Thanks. Appreciate Cheers. it. Lots of details on industry-recognized certifications, some great insights on new skills that are in demand, a story, and a bit of grinding in the background. Now, that's a holistic manufacturing interview, if you ask me. Now, make sure you check out nc3.net to learn more. And without further ado... I think it's time that we hear 3M's perspectives on the future of skilled trades. Next up, in our last interview, is Scott Barnett, Global Robotics and Automation Application Leader at 3M. And he's here to put a bow around our interviews. Let's get you introduced. Scott, I have to start this interview this way because we're wearing headsets and you have an uncanny resemblance to Dick Vitale. Not not the first person to tell me that, Chris. So it's, it's, it, would not, it does not shock me. I, I mean, the headset is really just what takes it, it to another level. It puts it over level. the top. But Got no, it. I, to, be, to be very clear, I like Dick Vitale uh, a lot. I mean that him. as a compliment. I wanted to <laughs> make sure you. that was that expectation. I'm was not set sure as I can well. bring as much energy as he does, but you know, whatever. Fair, fair. Well, hey, I've got a fun question to start off this conversation because you are with. 3M. And I think when a lot of people hear the name 3M, they're like, 3M, they do scotch tape, not robots. What is your response to that when that conversation comes up? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great question, a really common question, or common comment, I should say. But, but you know, 
I'll say that 3M's original business actually was abrasives, and, and I'm in the abrasives business, um, and it was the starting business of the company. And a lot of the company, uh, especially early on, was focused on industrial applications. So people, as general consumers, you know, didn't really know. We were kind of behind the scenes. Um, products that are used to make other products and uh, consumable products and stuff. So people aren't quite as aware. And then when people think of 3M, they think of the consumer products, post-its, scotch tape, uh, command strips, et cetera. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, our role is um, in all of our businesses, of which 3M has many, our role is to help our customers leverage the best solutions possible to make their jobs um, easier and efficient and effective. And as in the industrial marketplace, as um, a lot of factors have driven challenges in the workforce, whether it be ergonomics um, or safety and health, or especially nowadays, just even getting workers to do jobs in the industrial market, automation has become critically important. And so um, we've been working in automation for more than 35 years. We've been helping customers automate their abrasive processes for more than 35 years, because that's the direction they were headed. And now more than ever, um, they need to automate to actually get their production out. So it behooves us to leverage our experience um, to uh, help customers automate their process. And we're well connected in the industry. <clears throat> and using an abrasive, um, it's not as simple as just putting it on a tool and running it. Uh, to get the most value out of it and the most benefit, you have to use it the right way. And so we can deploy that knowledge and intelligence into an automated process and help customers and industry members uh, successfully uh, accomplish that result so they can get their jobs done. We're going to get back to the automation, the technology here in a second. But I first want to ask you, hey, we're, we're here at the Clash of the Grinders competition. Yes, sir. We're, we're at Fabtech. What role is 3M playing in the future of skilled work? Let's talk about that, because this is really, this episode is really like, hey, what does the skilled worker of the future look like? So I'd love to hear your answer to that more general question before we get into the tech. Yeah, you know, it's a great question, Chris. I think, um, you know, before or historically, skilled workers are the ones responsible for actually applying the abrasive or weld, um, welding equipment to the particular part they happen to be processing. Mm -hmm. I really feel like in the future, a lot of the skilled workers will transition into running machinery and equipment, which automatically deploy those types of processes. So the knowledge of what it takes to make a good weld or to grind properly is still incredibly important. But rather than doing that with their hands and with their back, etc., they're going to be doing it with machinery and equipment. I really feel like that's the future. And so skilled workers are going to take that knowledge and deploy it in a very different way than they've deployed it for all these years. And that is, I believe, uh, where we're headed. So you still need that knowledge, but how it gets deployed through automation is exactly. what's going to be different. Exactly. Well, then let's talk about the tech as well. What what role does technology play in all of this? You mentioned you've been doing automation for 35 years. I, I'm not sure if that was specific to the abrasives division. but It was, okay. yes. Okay, fill me in on this a bit more. What role does the tech play? Yeah, tech, tech is so critical because, um, as we all know, and in fact, um, that constrained people's ability to deploy automation with abrasives because uh, there was a lot of features and uh, aspects of using an abrasive that, that 
needed the human's touch, let's say, or the human eyeball, or even the human nose. They smelled when the part was getting too hot, Mm -hmm. for example, and then they adapted. So a lot of these senses that humans have, uh, robots, for example, as Mm -hmm. one way to deploy automation, don't have. And so what was important to bring from a technology standpoint is to uh, account for robots not having these senses. So now we have vision systems that can see things and tell robots where parts are, tell robots uh, what the part shape is, what the part condition is, et cetera. Um, We have other technologies like compliance and force control that allow robots to feel and apply a very prescribed amount of force or pressure uh, to account for parts that maybe aren't exactly Um, as they were specified when they come into the cell. So these technologies have been critical to enable people to deploy automation. And and really over the last 35 years, um, the ability to adopt automation and robotics has especially increased primarily due to um, these new technologies that are coming on board to help robots adapt uh, where humans were the only things that could adapt in the past. Yeah, when we're when we're talking about this, the thing that stuck out in that answer was you're giving robots the senses so that it's easier to deploy this technology for these welding applications, grinding applications, all the things we're discussing right, in exactly, this episode. Exactly. So I've got one more question that, that popped into my mind when we were chatting before the interview, and I like asking this question of anyone that has extensive experience at a company. I think you mentioned you've been at 3M for 42 years. Is that correct? correct? Yes. And that you've spent the past six as a robotics leader there, but you've done other stuff up to that point. I have. So what's, what's kept you around? What's kept it exciting? I can't not ask a question to someone that has stuck it out like that. Yeah, well, you know, 3M's a unique company. Um, uh, Innovation and creativity in in new technologies are really uh, the foundation for how 3M uh, grows and develops. And it's the foundation for how 3M provides uh, improved opportunities for customers to increase uh, their productivity and their results and drive value to our shareholders and to our customers. And it never cha- it, it, it's constantly changing. It never stops. So one of the things that has kept me with 3M is the constant challenges that come our way. Mm-hmm. And whether it's challenges due to changes in the marketplace or whether it's challenges due to uh, specific environmental aspects, et cetera, there's always challenges in front of us. And I think 3M loves to grab those challenges head on and try to address them both for community, but also obviously for our customer base. And so it's been amazing to be able to participate in so many different opportunities over my career. The other thing that that has really been awesome about um, uh, the roles that I've had is I've had many different roles. I've been in different functions. I've worked in R&D organization, developing new products. I'm in application engineering now. I, I worked in, in the business side. I led uh, portfolio and uh, market-based business teams in the past, worked closely with our manufacturing plants in Six Sigma. So the opportunity to have a, a variety of roles and leverage the experience that I've developed in the abrasive business toward those roles is something very few companies 
opportunities, I think, can give people. And so for me, it's always been about a challenge. And frankly, the last six years, it's been about a new world for me in robotics and the ability to, to you know, really grow myself and my experience and understanding uh, in this space and hopefully bring something to it as well with the background I have in the abrasives marketplace. So my last question then has to be, what advice do you have for all the new skilled trade skilled tradespeople out there, anyone in their career that is taking on new challenges? You yeah. highlighted that's been a big, exciting part of your career. What advice do you have for the listeners that are still getting at it in their career, whether it's skilled trades, whether it's any job, really? Yeah. I, it's a great question, Chris. I, I find something you're passionate about. Um, I, I can't imagine uh, going to work every day and not be passionate about what you're doing. And if it's skill trades, um, you know, be passionate about going to work every day. Be trying to improve things. Be you know, looking look to the future and grab technology at, as it comes to you. Um, if you're if you're thinking about business, uh, going into business and 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 uh, uh, you know, there's all kinds of business-related challenges in, the, in this global economy that we work in. And so um, be passionate about, about what you bring to the table there and about addressing um, the many challenges that come your way. So find a way to be passionate. Find a way to grow. And, um, you know, uh, I think that's the key to enjoying uh, a career. That, that you end up building for yourself. I think that's a great way to wrap it up because when we were interviewing Eduardo earlier, he was talking about being in like a meditative state <laughs> when he's yep. welding out yep. there on the on the floor. So I think that puts a nice wrap around everything. Scott, just want to thank you for taking the time to jump on the show. Pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Wow, what an episode. I I learned a lot during these interviews. One of the final things that jumped out at me at the end was when Scott shared that he felt the tradesperson of the future would not only need the traditional training of understanding welding, for example, but that they'd be running machines. And right at the beginning of our interview, if you remember, Ryan mentioned how automation is one of the areas that he's putting his focus on because he sees that as the future of the trades as well. You know, Todd expressed optimism for the future of the manufacturing industry, and we could spend all day looking at the numbers to show where the skills gap is currently at and how many unfilled jobs still exist. But I'll say this, if we can continue to showcase this level of enthusiasm from folks that are in the trades, I feel that's going to be one of the biggest keys to a bright future in manufacturing. As Todd said, if you like to build things and play with fire, this is the space for you to be in. Anyway, as we wrap up today, if you want to learn more, if you want to connect with the individuals that were featured in these interviews, make sure to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 156. You can also find links to NC3 over there. And of course, 3M Abrasive's YouTube channel where you can check out the Clash of the Grinders student edition series that premieres on October 17th, 2023. First episode comes out that day, and you'll get a total of eight episodes premiering throughout the rest of 2023. You can get there, again, by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 3M. It takes you straight to their YouTube page. You don't want to miss this. There's going to be action. There's going to be competition. There's going to be a $10,000 scholarship from Fanuc given to the winner. Again, make sure you are 
are subscribed. And hey, while we're on a roll, I do want to give a huge thank you to 3M for making these episodes possible. It was awesome traveling to Fabtech to record these interviews. I mean, you heard it throughout these interviews, but I'll double down on this one more time. 3M is a huge advocate of the skilled trades in STEM learning. They are on a mission to help create 5 million skilled trades jobs by inspiring curiosity, improving educational outcomes, and providing transformational opportunities for underrepresented individuals. Great stuff they're doing. Thank you again, 3M. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review over at Apple Podcasts, over at Spotify. Do it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Again, if you thought this one was awesome, let us know in the ratings and reviews. Or, hey, share a link to this episode on LinkedIn. Again, manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 156 is the link to the show notes page for this episode. Okay, to wrap things up, as Scott said, be passionate about what you do. We heard a lot of passion in the skilled trades leaders we spoke with today. What an episode. Folks, stay innovative, stay thirsty, and make sure to tune in to 3M's Clash of the Grinders Student Edition competition. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.